Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm going to bring you an interview with Elizabeth Chapman of Teaching Sam and Scout. And Elizabeth is going to be talking with us about how to transition from summer at school to being home with your kids. And we're going to talk about five tips for a summer of rest, memories, and at least some productivity. And this is specifically designed for those of you who are teachers and moms or dads, um, but it will be applicable to anybody because the tips and the strategies that we're talking about can be applied across the board. They can also be applied even during the school year. Before we get into the interview, though, I want to let you know that this is actually, although this is definitely a standalone episode, you can listen to it by itself, Elizabeth's actually been on the podcast two other times before, and so this is almost like the third episode of a series. And the reason that she was on before was that she's been sharing a little bit of just kind of how crazy life has been as a full-time English teacher and a mom of two little ones. And she shared about that last summer, and then she shared about how she was joining Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club. And then last December, she came back and shared kind of a midterm report. She shared how things were going and a lot of specifics about the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club. So if you're interested in those episodes, we link to both of them at teachfortheheart.com slash moms. You don't necessarily have to listen to those first before listening to this one, but if you find these helpful, you might also find those helpful. You could also scroll back and find them in your feed if you're listening to this on your phone or on iTunes. Um, the first, the one from last June is about how to escape the crazy and fight for balance. And then the other one's from December and talks about how Elizabeth um, is taking control of her teaching and stopping the overwhelm. So you can find both of those or just head over to teachfortheheart.com slash moms. Okay, enough introduction. Let's get right into the interview. I think you're really going to love this one. Hi, I'm here with Elizabeth Chapman from Teaching Sam and Scout. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I want to go ahead and let you introduce yourself for those of you that aren't familiar with you and your work. Okay, sure. Um, well, like Linda said, I'm Elizabeth, and I blog at Teaching Sam and Scout, which is named for my son, Sam, who's about to turn seven, and my job or my favorite literary character, Scout Finch, and that kind of represents my job as a high school English teacher. So I am a full-time high school English teacher in Virginia, and then I'm also full-time mom um, to Sam, like I mentioned, and then I also have a three-year-old, Nora. Yes. And then, of course, go ahead. No, I was going to say our daughters are similar ages, so that's fun. (laughs) Yes, and very much a Um, (laughs) three-year-old. She keeps on my toes. Um, yeah, so during the school year, I am busy working mom, lots of things that I'm juggling. And then just this last week, I've kind of transitioned to being at home full time with my kids, which is a blessing and also kind of a challenge. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about today is kind of that transition from being full-time teacher to being home in the summer, you know, with your kids and some tips for that. Can you share a little bit about what is that transition like for you? Yeah, it's funny because especially with my 
teacher friends. I really try not to talk about it much because, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're so lucky you get summers off. And I am so fortunate. I consider this a huge perk of my job um, that for two or three months every year, I get to just be at home and focus on my family and my kids. Um, But it can be a really hard transition. And it's for such a short time that usually right when we kind of get in the groove of a routine, then it's time to go back to school and we get back in the school year routine again, um, too. So this will be, I guess, now my seventh, sixth or seventh summer um, with kids. And I kind of laugh. I can't remember what I used to do with my summers (laughs) before I had kids. Um, But yeah, the transition is, like I said, it's wonderful. We have a lot of fun together in the summer, but I find that my personality type and really my kids probably as an extension of me, we do work well with a routine during the school year. So sometimes it takes us a little while to adjust just kind of the openness of our summer schedule and being in our house all the time. Like some of my cleaning things and um, household organizing is just easier when nobody's in the house all day. Um, So we, there's an adjustment period for sure. Great. And so we're going to talk today then about, and I, and I really think that so many people can relate to this. I can relate to this just especially the, you make lots more messes when you're home. Um, so yes. yes, I think a lot of people can relate to this. A lot of people just totally, um, see what you're saying, uh, what you're saying. And so what we want to talk about today is you were sharing with me five ideas that you have for teacher moms that can help make the summer relaxing, fun, make memories, um, also get some stuff done. But I guess the final goal that you shared with me was kind of to go back to school feeling like you made the most of your summer, like it wasn't wasted. Absolutely. And I I would say before, um, I'm not perfect at this. Like just like during the school year, a lot of these strategies are things that I have learned through the 40-hour teacher workweek club and just from years of teaching experience that work really well for me at school. And so I've kind of applied them at home. But just like during the school year, we have days and weeks that are totally, totally off. Um, But it helps me to sort of have a plan and kind of a um, an overarching like guide for how I want the summer to go. And usually that keeps me on track at least most of the time. <laughs> that is such a good point because sometimes, I think sometimes we shy away from making a plan because we feel like we don't want to be bound to the plan or we, or we, right. you know, know it's, we are, we know we can't stick to it. So why even bother? But that's the wrong way of looking at it. We should be looking at it as if, if I have no plan, I mean, it's just, who knows what's going to happen. If I have a plan right. <laughs> and I'm flexible with it, like I'm, I'm going to, direct the direction of the summer and I'm going to, you know, even if I get 80% or 70% or even 50% of what I have planned, that's still more than I would have done without a plan. So that's such a good point. Great. Yeah. And that's actually perfect transition. The first little thing that I said, and this came from Angela's Workweek Club, um, and I loved it. She encourages us to have an end of summer vision. So instead of going into the summer with like, you know, I want to do this, 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 and this, and make this ridiculous to-do list, which I have done pretty much every single summer of my life. And then I call it the last week of summer hustle, where instead of enjoying myself, I'm like stressed that I didn't get anything done on my to-do list. 
Um, she encourages us to think about kind of where we want to be and who we want to be at the end of the summer and then to work backwards from that and to really be realistic about what you actually can accomplish during your time off. Um, and in my blog post, I put time off in quotation marks because one thing that my summers have taught me is that it is a break from my teaching job and I am grateful for that and I need that break. But being home with my kids is not time off. <laughs> it is very much time on. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's a mindset shift that I really had to adjust to as a new mom. And then honestly, that I have to adjust to every summer. Um, just reminding myself that like, these are not lazy days of sitting around, um, you know, reading novels by the pool. Like they are full <laughs> days of care my kids. I'm laughing because um, I can, I'm t my husband and I laugh about how before we had kids, like, what did we do on Saturday? Like we just, we went seriously. to the pool all day. Like, how was that our right. life? Like, <laughs> So right. I can totally right. And I, I teach high school. So um, obviously, it's a different kind of busy and it's a different kind of on. But I would confess that sometimes it is easier to go to work and it's like calmer than it is when I'm home all day with my kids. So I have a lot of respect for people that do that all year. Um, and I yeah, I've just had to kind of teach myself not to have an expectation in the summer that I'm going to get every single room in my house organized and, you know, paint seven walls and everything else because I need to be on as mom and that's enough <laughs> to keep me pretty busy. Absolutely. So I love that. The focus is come up with something that's realistic for you. You're not crazy, not these crazy goals. You can always add something at, to the, the, at the end if you want to, right? Just come up with something realistic. Right. So can you share like just like, let's make this super practical. What is on your, like, summer vision list? Yeah. Um, so, actually, in the June materials for um, the Teacher Workweek Club, Angela gave this awesome, like, printout or printable where we could kind of craft our end of the summer vision. And she encourages us to, again, ask ourselves, I want my life to be like blank by the time school starts. And then she kind of breaks it down. And I did as well into four categories, the vision for your family, your home, your work, and then your own well-being. And so I said this summer that I really, and this one is a big one, but I just want to be present with my kids. I want at the end of the summer for them to have really tangible memories of me being with them and playing with them. Um, my tendency, if I'm really being honest, is to get really busy being productive around the house or doing chores or getting projects done. And um, I my goal, and I'm kind of prioritizing this as the top one, is to really be present and just play and have fun with my kids. I love that. And of course, yeah. Of course, I do have some other, like, more practical, I guess, ones. My home one is <laughs> I've got piles bins of clothes that my kids have outgrown and I need to sort and donate or give to somebody in our basement. So that's like just one thing that I can check off my list and it's probably going to take me all summer to get done. But in comparison to years past where I've had like 15 projects like that, I think this one is more tangible. Um, and then my school or work life stuff, I don't do a ton of schoolwork over the summers. Um, I actually teach an online class, so I kind of have to do some work that way. But as far as um, prep for the next school year, I am fortunate that I've been teaching the same classes for the last um, seven years. So I feel decently prepared when I go back to school to kind of get myself going. But my goal for the summer is to detail, um, to make a detailed sketch of the school year for each of those three classes. Um, 
that when I get back to school and I have time to focus on planning and, you know, actually creating materials, I have a blueprint for how I'm going to do that. Um, and also I just really like that and I get to this later, but I think it's important that the stuff you're doing for teaching over the summer is stuff that you enjoy and that energizes you, not stuff that, um, is going to drain you. And then last, um, I'm trying, I have a three-year-old now and I'm trying to get back in the habit of exercising, um, more regularly and taking time for myself to read before I go to bed at night. Because like I said, I've learned that during the summer, I am not going to be going, you know, to the gym in the middle of the day or sitting by the pool reading. So kind of prioritizing my mornings and my nights as time for myself to do things that are good for me. I love this. Is a, this is a great example because it's it's realistic. But I mean, that's still a lot. It's still going to be a lot to get those things yeah. done. But but that feels like something you can actually do, as opposed to yeah. this list that's like, who knows? I'm ever going to. And you've prioritized what matters most. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. And and just the idea of like at the end of the summer, if I have done nothing else, but I have done those four things at least, even just a little bit, even if they're not perfectly done. Um, then I should feel really good about and proud of my summer instead of doing that hustle the last week where I'm trying to, you know, check everything off my list. I love this. And by the way, those of you, um, that worksheet that Elizabeth mentioned from the 40 hour teacher workweek club, I think if you're listening to this podcast, when it comes out, that that's currently an early bird bonus of the club. If you sign up early, so I'm not don't quote me on that, um, but you can we can check that out at um, teachfortheheart.com slash moms. We'll link to the club, or you can go straight to teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. Okay, so that was number one. Um, what is number yeah. two? Okay, so number two is to develop some basic routines, systems, and rituals. And those are, again, using some of Angela's words. But basically, I I – in theory, I want my summer to feel free, like, oh, I'm off work, I can do whatever I want. But like I mentioned, I've learned that I actually function and my kids do too a lot better when we have a little bit of routine and structure. Mm-hmm. So kind of the compromise I've come up with is to have a loose schedule. So not, you know, we do this every day at 10 and this every day at 11, but more just sort of a morning, afternoon, evening type of thing. Um, so I just aim to get up before my kids. Um, I shoot for 5.30. Sometimes it's not quite that early, but I like to have my coffee and do some reading and writing um, just before the house gets moving for the day. And then while my husband is still home and hopefully the kids are still asleep, try to in, um, a short jog or a walk. And then I really find that I have a better day. I get showered and get dressed um, kind of first thing. I like a day in my pajamas and I will allow that once in a while because I think it's good for all of us to just have those really lazy days. But as a general rule, it's best for me if I get up and take a shower and get dressed. Right. You don't um, do so that every kind of day. Our, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, that's kind of our morning. And then if my kids, you know, and again, this does not work perfectly every day. Sometimes the kids wake up at five 30 and the whole plan is out the window, but that's kind of the ideal. And then I adjust as needed. Um, But, you know, if it works like I want to, then at 7.30 or 8 o'clock when they wake up, I can really be on. um, And I'm already feeling like I've kind of had some time to myself. Then for the rest of the day, we do try to get out of the house kind of mostly each day. Again, there are exceptions to that. Um, But we try to get out around, you know, 9 or 10 o'clock and go do something fun like the playground or the library. I do make a list with my son 
things we want to do, but we're pretty loose about when we do them or if we don't get all of them done, that's no big deal. And then we're home, um, you know, early afternoon, my littlest still naps. So we try to give her some time to take a good nap in the afternoon because that makes our evenings a lot better. And then my oldest has um, some quiet time and I'll talk a little about what I'm doing with him during the quiet time in just a minute. Um, I'll use that time to, you know, do some of the things that I said were important to me. So maybe I'm working on schoolwork or blogging or even just prepping for dinner. And then we'll spend a little bit more time together until dad gets home, you know, and then we go through with a normal kind of, um, evening plan of dinners and baths and bed and things like that. Um, so again, it doesn't work every day. Um, but I, and I try to keep it fairly loose, but just having that general structure of when I wake up in the morning, this is what I know to expect. And my kids know to expect works really well for us. That's awesome. And then you said something about what are you doing with Sam during quiet time? Yeah, so this is kind of a popular Pinterest thing, but I've implemented it this year, and I am loving it. It's called a screen time checklist, and basically, um, I printed off this cute little freebie on the internet, and then I added in my own items that I want Sam to complete every day in order to earn his screen time. I'm in the camp that it's okay for kids to have some screen time, um, but it just needs to be monitored and Mm -hmm. not out of control. And I also am willing to be honest enough and say that if I'm not careful, it can get out of control really. (laughs) Um, He's the type of kid that could sit and play on his iPad for literally hours. And that has happened before. (laughs) So um, this checklist is meant to kind of keep both of us accountable. But it has um, things like brush your teeth and get dressed as one. Or um, feed the dog, make his, make your bed, put away your toys. And then it also has, um, three things that have worked out really nicely for us. He's every day to spend at least 20 minutes reading, at least 20 minutes doing some math practice. And we do have two like web-based, um, math things that his school encourages him to use so he can do that. Or we also just bought like a cheap workbook on Amazon. Um, and then at least an hour of creative or active play. So that's, um, you know, like go outside or build with Legos or draw or whatever. Um, and I printed that out. I put it in a page protector, gave him a dry erase marker. He thinks it's a game. I mean, he loves getting up and checking off things. Um, and then both of us feel good about giving him an hour of screen time when all of that has been accomplished. And the truth is, I mean, that's one hour of screen time in, you know, 12 hours awake. And so he ends up spending a lot more time doing the creative or active play or reading or whatever. Um, but that's just kind of the, um, and it's rare that he would get everything crossed off his list before lunchtime. And I think that helps us too, because it sets up our day that we, again, we've prioritized, we've done the things that are important to us. And then if we take a little break to zone out for an hour, that's okay for everybody. I love that. And if you guys want to see this checklist, we have a picture of it at teachfortheheart.com slash moms, M-O-M-S. Um, and I do something. I, I love this idea. I think I'll probably graduate to this at some point. I do something kind of similar with my son. Um, he has his – he's not in school yet, so he has lessons, and they're either normally abcmouse.com or we ha- we've been doing the phonics museum. He's been learning to read with that. And so he has to do those before he has his game time too. So, yeah, I think that stuff – that works. It just works yeah, so well. Yeah, and I'm not doing it. 
anything with my three-year-old yet. She has very minimal screen time anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, and this is maybe bad, but typically like Sam earns his screen time and he's taking it later in the afternoon and she's already had her nap and stuff. Then I'll let her watch a show or something. Um, But just the fact that he's not sitting around on an iPad or watching a movie really keeps her from doing that too. So that, that works out nicely. And I'm hoping if I start it now when he's still young enough to think it's kind of fun, obviously it'll change a little bit as he gets older, but that that just sort of sets the precedence for this is what I have to do before I can, um, be playing video games or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even with old, I, I find with kids, I'm sure you guys do too, that want, it's hard, when you first set up something like that, like if you have older kids and you want to do this, when you first present the idea, they're going to, they're not going to like it, but it quickly sure. just becomes the routine and it's just, it once yeah. it's the routine, it just is what it is. So, yeah. okay. And to be, sorry, I'll just say really quick there. Um, Already we've had a couple of days where we've just been really busy and it's not been practical for him to get in every single thing on the list. And that has been fine. Like I'm giving myself grace with that. It's no big deal that today you didn't get to do math for 20 minutes because we, you know, we're out all day and then had a birthday party in the evening. But the thing is, when we're that busy, we're also too busy for screen time. So it's actually fairly easy to be consistent. Like no big deal. You didn't get your list done today but we're not going to be on screens today either. And that's been easy for both of us so far. So we'll see. Love that. Okay. So, so far we have number one, have an end of summer vision. That's realistic. Number two, develop some basic routines or systems. And then what's number three? Three is prioritize your time. Focus on one main thing each day and do it first. This is a concept that um, I learned from the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club that I just loved. It's part of her um, big five that we kind of go back to all throughout the club materials. Um, But I loved the concept. The idea is not brand new. I mean, prioritize what you want to get done in a day and then pick one thing that is like your top priority. Um, And that is something I've been doing for years and, you know, I like that idea because it just helps me again to say, if I do nothing else today, at the end of the day, if I have done one load of laundry, good job. It was a productive day. Um, What has been really kind of life-changing for me is her idea of doing the main thing first. She says, if you have a hard time choosing your main thing, it's probably the thing that you would most not want to do or um, the thing you've been procrastinating the most, like the dishes that are currently sitting in my sink, (laughs) you know? Um, So making that the very first thing you do. So as soon as you have a chance that you can get something done, um, you know, that's on your list, make that the first thing. And that has worked really, really well for me. Again, sometimes I do write out a huge to-do list of everything I need to get done with the very real knowledge that it's not going to happen. But I put that one thing that keeps getting moved every day to the next day at the top of the list and I do it first. And then I feel really accomplished at the end of the day, even if that's all I got too. Yeah. And don't, just for those of you listening, this is such a simple idea, but it's really powerful. And it's actually kind of funny. It's one that I, like, when I do it, I love it. But then I just, human nature, it's like the drift, right? Like, I forget yeah. to do the main, to pick the main thing and do it first. And I'm not as productive when I do, or I don't feel as good at, maybe I got stuff done still, but I don't feel like I accomplished what I needed to. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, I did some stuff. I didn't do some stuff. So whenever I come back to this, like, whenever I hear this idea, it's like, it's not a new idea, but it's like, when I re when I refocus on it, it 
just really makes the day. It's just such a powerful idea, simple, but really powerful. I encourage you to try it if you haven't, or if you've tried it in the past, try to do, try it again. Cause it's, it's really great. Yeah, it is. Okay. So that's number three. What's number four? Four is have a place for everything. Um, I said in the post that I can be a little nuts about organization, but it is key for me. Um, I, just feel so much less anxious and overwhelmed if my house is neat. But the reality as anybody with kids knows is that that is not always, you know, that's not always possible (laughs) with little kids. Um, Actually right now I'm looking at a bike sitting in my office. (laughs) Um, But again, the, the thought here is that if I have a place for everything, then even if the house gets out of control and super messy, I know that it can be picked up put back together pretty quickly. Um, Whether that's with Sam's help in the afternoon or before I go to bed and after the kids are asleep, um, I can put everything away Um, as opposed to the house getting completely out of control and me just feeling like there's so much stuff and I don't know where to put it all. And um, that is what really creates anxiety. Yeah. So, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I I just, a couple little things that I do. Um, I have this little basket. It's pretty small. I think maybe you're going to have a picture of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I keep like, I got it from the dollar store and I keep like sunscreen and bug spray and sunglasses and bubbles and anything that like, if we're just going to go out in the front yard for a little bit, I just grab that little basket and take it with us. And then when we come back in, we drop everything back in there. Um, I have a, little like tote in our hall closet that I keep balls and baseball gloves and jump ropes and stuff in. And then the other thing that I started doing last summer and I really liked was I kept a pool bag pretty much packed in our um, foyer area tucked away. Um, And that just made, if we were going to go to the pool or get outside and do something where we were going to get wet, it made it such a less daunting task to know that the bag was kind of already packed. You know, if the kids came in with wet towels I would dry them on the front porch, then fold them up and stick them back in the pool bag um, and maybe wash them at the end of the week or whatever. I love that idea. <laughs> so I keep that packed and that helps a lot too. Yeah. And that's- I also usually pick up before bed because I like to wake up and have that time in the morning in a clean house. Yeah. And so just thinking this practically, you know, sometimes just the thought of like, man, how do I find a place for everything? It takes some intentionality up front. It takes a little bit of time, you know, maybe go buy some baskets and like, you know, make these different spots. But I think it is something where it's like you you put that time in towards the beginning of the summer, it pays off and it pays off during the school year too. I mean, that's something that would work for you year round. So it's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I use that in my classroom and have for years. So it's been nice to sort of implement that. Um, at home. Yeah, I love how all these ideas are actually like they they have their school counterpart too. You know, we could, we could talk about how they apply to school too. So they're just they're practical things that work work in both places. All right, what is the last tip that you have? Yeah, the last one is give yourself permission to rest and really break from work. Um, and I'm really passionate about this. I I think I used this last summer when I shared too, but you know, there's a lot of jobs out there like being a pilot or a doctor where they literally have caps on how many hours they're allowed to work before they can, um, you know, before they need a break. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our job is different from that for sure. But I think it is very purposeful that teachers have time off. And I know it's a perk that some people that aren't teachers maybe struggle with or feel like, 
is like the biggest perk in the world. But I always tell people like we earn that summer and we deserve it. And also that two month break is not enough to make up for like how hard we work during the year, unless you really love the work you're doing during the year. Um, So I think it's super important to um, just give yourself time in the summer to breathe a little bit, to do some things that are really truly just for fun. Um, I let myself sleep in on the weekends and I don't really do that during the school year very much, but my husband is, you know, great about getting up with the kids on Saturday mornings and I need that. It's, it's really good for me. Um, you know, read a book and stay up late because you can, you know, cause you don't have to get up super early the next morning. And I do think, you know, there is a certain amount of like professional development or things for your classroom that, you're likely going to do over the summer or need to do. But again, I think it's super important to do the things that energize you and that are fun for you and that you like and all those other tasks will be there in the fall and you will get them done because you always do. Um, So I try to focus on, you know, using Pinterest and getting fun ideas or, you know, um, like I said, I, I like to lesson plan. So I will do a little bit of like sketching out my plans and things like that. But I don't do um, really intense, hard stuff because I really firmly believe that we deserve and we need to rest so that we can be refreshed and be good moms and good teachers um, in the fall. I love that. And and that's going to look, look different for everybody. Um, you know, I, I think so, I think of some summers um, where I would just I would read a teaching book. And I love that because I, yeah. I love to read and just kind of brainstorm, like let my mind go free with ideas. I love that. And that's, yeah. that's why I've written a couple of the books that I have because they're, they're kind of designed for that with that in mind. But yeah. And I remember another summer I was teaching accounting the next year and I had no accounting background. And so <laughs> I had this accounting, but I had to learn accounting. And so that was like, a di- it was a little yeah. bit of a different animal, right? I, I had to put time yeah. into that. But um, so, so I guess my point is if you, if you have a situation where you have to dive into something, um, that's fine. But then you need to be extra intentional about also giving yourself the breaks. Like that should not be all you do all summer or you'll show yes. up for the fall already burnt out. And that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. <laughs> And this isn't in my blog post, but it's something that um, Angela has been talking about in this last month's materials about maximizing your summer. But like if you do have to do that, it's kind of nice to create like a ritual around it to where it feels different than work during the school year. So, for example, you know, maybe if you do really need to get done over the school year or over the summer set, you know, every afternoon when my kids are napping, I'm going to fix myself an iced coffee and I'm going to sit on the porch and get some sun and do this work and like make that some like a time that you sort of look forward to. And that feels different from just nose to the computer working um, during that time. That's a, that's such a great idea. Really I love that. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here. Before I let you go, you know, you've mentioned that a lot of these tips came from the 40-hour teacher work week, and I know it's open right now for new people. Can you just share, like, if someone's thinking about it, if they've heard about it, they're not sure if they should join, like, like what would what advice would you give or, you know, what, what would you say uh, to someone yeah. since you've you've now gone through it, you've, you've gone through the first year of the program? It's a one-year program, but yeah. you get it forever, so you've gone through it yeah. one time. Uh, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, you already kind of touched on my my favorite tip or what I would definitely say, first of all, is that it is a one-year program. I joined last July. I loved 
the timing of it because um, Angela just crafted it so that it worked out perfectly with like back to school stuff in August and really setting up routines and structures um, that could be applied at the very beginning of the school year. And then, I mean, you can just tell she knows what she's talking about as far as being a teacher because she talks about tests or scores and testing in March, which is when um, test season ramps up and, you know, parent teacher communication and co around conference season. And then, like I said, or like I've mentioned, June is our last month and she ends with maximizing your summer, which I have really, really enjoyed and taken a lot from. So I love the way that the July cohort lines up with the rest of the year. But, and the key thing that I would tell people is you do get access for the whole year and there are a ton of resources in this club. Um, well worth and I really say that as somebody who is frugal, um, um, you are getting tons of resources, but the truth is it's way too much to go through in one year. And she does a really good job of encouraging you to take each month and, you know, look at the overview, read it, and then pick one or two things from it that you can apply, but realize that you can go back to it. So I actually plan to spend a little bit of time this summer reading through some things and then kind of next year, just go through each month again and look for a different strategy that I can apply or look at how I can change things. Um, I love that so much. And then I also have really benefited um, when you sign up, you are able to join a Facebook group that um, is kind of starting the club at the same time. And I've gotten a ton of just support from that. I actually teach in a school where I'm the only English so I don't have a ton of um, just opportunities to collaborate with other English teachers or bounce ideas off of each other. And I have benefited from that a lot through the Facebook group. And that exists forever as well. So we have kind of formed, you know, a little community there and we'll be able to continue that relationship and friendship, um, even though our year in the club has finished. So I love it. I would definitely encourage people to do it. And I'm happy to answer questions. You know, if anybody wants to chat, I think I put my email address in the blog post and would be happy to um, answer questions if people, you know, have something specific that they'd like to know. Thanks so much for that, Elizabeth. Yeah, her email and then the link to the club are both at teachfortheheart.com slash moms. And just to clarify, uh, you mentioned the club lasts one year, but you you keep your access indefinitely. So after the year is right. gone, it's not like, oh, you're out. You keep all right. – that's where you're saying you're able to go through it again at no extra cost. You, you've got everything yeah. still indefinitely. Yes. So that's – yeah, I, I love that feature too. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about us. And I, I know so many teachers are going to love these tips as much as I did. So thanks. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed this interview. I know I found it helpful and I hope you came away with some practical tips and ideas to create a summer of rest, memories, and some, at least some, productivity as well. If you're interested in finding out more about Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club, once again, we link to it at teachfortheheart.com slash moms, or you can head directly to teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. And one of the greatest features um, at, on the info page is that there's also unfiltered reviews. So you unedited, unfiltered reviews from members of the clubs. You can check those out too and really see for yourself um, and read p about teachers' experience and the results uh, that they're getting from the club. So I thought that's super helpful. And just so you're aware, the club is only open twice a year and there's a little bit of a longer enrollment period this summer. It should be open through, you can join 
now through, uh, I don't have the exact date, but it's going to be about mid-July. So you have a little bit of time to get in, but you definitely, just so you know, you can't join it in the fall um, because basically it's set up kind of like a school year where you join in a group so that you have a group of teachers to go with the program, uh, through the program with, and that Angela can support you each step of the way. So just wanted to let you know about that. And of course, if you have any questions, uh, send us an email to linda at teachfortheheart.com. Thank you guys again so much. I really enjoyed this interview. Hope you did too. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. We're actually having Angela Watson's going to be joining us next week to talk about how to set up your classroom for maximum productivity. I am really excited uh, to be talking with her. Um, we're going to be getting that episode ready here soon. So definitely won't want to miss that. And I look forward to seeing you guys again then. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference. Hi, I'm back because I forgot to say one thing. I always want to be super clear about our relationship with Angela Watson and the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club. We do partner with her to spread the word about this club because we believe it's amazing and we have seen the results so many teachers have gotten. So we are totally on board with helping spread the word. Uh, in return for that, if you decide to enroll in the club after heading to teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher, then we do receive a percentage of the enrollment at no extra cost to you. And this is a great way. We really appreciate your supporting Teach for the Heart in this way. If for any reason that makes you uncomfortable, you can just Google 40 Hour Teacher Work Week and find it that way instead. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys again soon.